0: Welcome back to iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyradio.com. In the PropTech hot seat today is Tim Strether, Managing Director of Spica Technologies. Tim, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me, Carol. Great to meet you.
0: Uh, I'm delighted to meet you and I'm quite excited about some of the initiatives that you guys have underway. So tell us a little bit about Spica Technologies.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, myself and two, two colleagues founded the business back in 2015. Um, we, we've all come from a strong technology background, actually, as opposed to uh, real estate. But we, we saw a huge opportunity in the market back then, which I still think uh, is relevant today. The built environment has been very much under-invested from a technology stance. Um, and there's a huge opportunity, I think, still today to use digital services to actually improve Uh, real estate services for occupants, but also obviously have a a big drive towards efficiency gains, ESG and sustainability.
0: Um, You're absolutely right when you say the sector is underinvested. but how do you see that changing since COVID?
1: I think there's been a massive change and it's interesting. I mean, a lot of the paradigm shifts were already happening pre-COVID, I would say. I think there was definitely a realisation in the industry um, that there was a lot that could be done to make things better. but COVID really shone a light on all of these things that was never there before. I mean, I'm sure in Ireland, as, as we've had uh, across here in England, pretty much every day for the last three years, there's been some news article on the BBC about uh, office space and what people are doing, whether people should be at work or not. Um, and then obviously the other big impact post-COVID that nobody could have foreseen is, is the terrible war in Ukraine and the effect that that's had on the global energy crisis
0: yeah i uh, there has really been a time and i say this having been self-employed in the in the property sector during the last crash this feels like more unpredictable times yes. um you know and and certainly i suppose even prior to covid we were dealing with the fallout of brexit so i understand that in an irish context that had one meaning but obviously in the uk context and globally it, it perhaps had an another meaning but there was a huge impact there to be dealt with and then before that was fully or in any way resolved, we were into COVID. And I think COVID has probably been the greatest, the single greatest um, changing, but also driving for a culture shift that we've seen for PropTech, whether it's cross sustainability or any sort of driving efficiencies, enabling remote work. The conversation has just moved on so much, um, in particular from the five years where you started. Yeah,
1: absolutely. There's been there's been a huge change. And I think, you know, the the, the one number one thing I think that everybody is focused on now is future proofing. Um, It's that ability to be flexible and certainly Covid was the biggest impact of that. I think that you saw companies across across the ecosystem, you know, whether they are building owners, landlords, the FM teams themselves or the occupiers. Being able to cope with change and be able to flex how they use those buildings um, for, the, for the best ability for the occupants is, is really important moving forward. And that's you know, everything else, I think, is secondary to that the, the, the ability to, to be able to be flexible and cope with the unexpected. Because, uh, as yeah. you say, there, there will be something else that comes across, maybe hopefully not this year, but in the years to come, there will be something new. Um, and the ability to cope with that is very important.
0: Yeah, look, I, I think um, not just flexibility but agility is just the the key word for survival in the industry today. Um, c- talk to me a little bit about the actual offering. So, what is it that you're offering for portfolio owners?
1: Yeah, so so from and this has changed uh, quite dramatically, I would say, in the last six months since our uh, recent acquisition, which we can talk about later. Um, but Spiker primarily, when we started out, we were we saw ourselves as an uh, an internet things systems integrator. So we built the Spiker business on our own software platform, which is called the Gemini Engine. Um, Gemini being the twin, so it's it's effectively our digital twin cloud-based platform that enables us to build out multiple use cases for real estate. Um, And initially, those those solutions spanned from on the kind of back office side, things like remote temperature monitoring for Legionella, which is obviously a big H health and safety uh, thing across uh, UK and Ireland. And then we moved into space planning, so uh, occupancy analysis, looking at the data of how buildings are being used. Again, pre-COVID, this was already becoming very, very important for certainly the, the most forward-thinking companies to think about. Well, is our portfolio actually right-sized? Do we do we need more space? You know, we've got the tax team saying that there's not enough desks for them, but we haven't got the evidence to be able to prove that. So we started using sensor technology with our own software algorithms to really really help companies be able to make informed decisions around space, which is still very important to us today. We then started to augment that with lots of other data in the building. So internal environmental quality, which again is very very key to to us all today. Um, So temperature, humidity, light noise, CO2, um, VOCs, all, all of the things that effectively have an impact on the the physical environment and how people experience the office um which has a big impact on their health and well-being so that that was very important to us and then three years ago the big shift for us i guess was moving much more into the tenant uh, tenant and occupier experience space so we built out um a portfolio of apps which we call luna um, that's very much focused on surfacing all those data points not just from sensors but all the other things in the building so um, being able to access the building through the speed gates with an app rather than pieces of plastic and being able to order your food booking desks meeting rooms all these things that you have in your kind of day-to-day touch point with a with an office uh, to be able to surface that through an app so that that was our our main, I would say, uh, focus area for the business, um, which is still very, very important to us. And post COVID, that's been a huge boon. Um, the, other, the other side of things now, I guess, and big part of the reason for the acquisition um, from Nordomatic was to pull together the, the overall portfolio of software within Nordomatic. So Spyco is now effectively the, the prop tech arm of Nordomatic. So within my team, I now cover a lot of other product areas as well manage BMS services. So being able to remotely access and control the buildings um, from from a portal anywhere in the world. Um, And the other key one that is very important to us is is actually uh, energy management. So we have a a portfolio (coughs) of software tools around artificial intelligence for actually um, automatically changing the set points for HVAC systems. So we're constantly Effectively um, looking at how the systems are working um, and the the system itself is changing those set points every two minutes to make big big savings for customers. So we typically see 25% energy savings, both cost and CO2 reduction across the buildings that uh, that we put that tech into.
0: Very good. Um, there's a huge span there of prop tech um, that you have there, you know, across the occupancy, the tenant engagement, um, and the energy management is a huge thing. So we're definitely going to come on to that. But mm. one of the areas I'm really excited about at the moment is a tenant and occupant experience. Yes. And so it's interesting you say you actually started to focus on that three years ago, because obviously that would be prior to COVID. So yes. when you were doing that, did you go out and you know through client discovery did you actually speak to potential occupants um as opposed to basing it on assumptions because one of the things we see with a lot of innovation it's based on assumptions and then when you get into the marketplace you then have to really adjust for those assumptions so talk to me about what the tenant um experience what you were envisaging three years ago
1: yeah, so it's, it's a really good point, and it has definitely evolved over time. So, so to your first point, absolutely, we took uh, customer um, feedback into account there. So we worked with some of the very largest global occupiers, people like Ernst & Young, Zurich Insurance, um, to actually help us define what they saw as important for their, for their uh, staff. But it was good. I think pioneers like that in the industry really helped us pre-COVID to understand what are the kind of things that people are really interested in. For example, at the time, desk booking wasn't, wasn't there. It wasn't something that was very important. We had an, in, we had an integration stack and we importantly have an integration first approach. So We don't pretend to do everything. Um, so we will you know, integrate our systems into other tools in the building, such as CAFM tools, um, you know, things like IBM Tri-Riga We we work with for service requests booking systems, Microsoft 365, Condeco, EOS. We we already integrated with those, but we weren't building that out as our own tool because it didn't seem that important at the time. I think back then it was much more about occupant experience, showing people information about the building so that they felt that it it was an environment they wanted to be in. So, you know, simple things like proving that the temperature uh, is is a good fit for them being able to sit where they want to work based on their comfort parameters booking their own lunch you know all all the things that kind of make big in the office a lot easier um is where we started out but yeah over time that's changed massively i mean when covid hit desk booking i touched on already suddenly became the number one thing that people wanted you know two years ago and we we had to do a lot of work Within the business to um, change our change our offerings effectively and um, and and have something that was ready for market, which we did very rapidly and and were very successful thereafter. But uh, I think the whole thing is an evolution, and as I say, we're we're seeing differences now this year. A lot more focus on feedback, customer feedback. You know, the employees actually uh, learning from them about what is good and what is not so good in the office environment so that the FM and real estate teams can make informed decisions again. So that that, that I think that that's the crux of it. it comes back to making sure that you've got the right data, first of all, and then using that data to, uh, you know, to really drive change. That's that's going to benefit people.
0: You know, and um, I, I in in the last week or so, I interviewed Anthony Slumbers and, you know, he he is he has for many years been saying that people and companies don't want offices. They want happy, productive work, workers. Um, they want their team to be productive. They want their team to be happy. And now since COVID, obviously they want their team to be safe when they're coming into the office. But I have to say, Tim, I have spoken to literally hundreds of uh, ProfTech startups and scaling companies. And you were the first person to ever uh, talk to me about an integration first approach. That is the least sexy side of tech, And I would say it is possibly one of the most important, particularly as we're seeing this new wave of ESG technologies coming in, uh, monitoring for new metrics. Everything needs to connect to what's gone before it, because otherwise we're asking people to essentially throw out technology that they've invested in. As opposed to, you know, and, and that in itself is so contrary to the whole notion of sustainability. We should be building upon what people are doing. And you're the first Prop Tech to say that, to talk about an integration first approach, but actually I believe every innovator should be coming, um, unless they're drastically um coming in and identifying a new problem that has never been identified, you know, which is genuinely rare then They should be building on what's there and improving on what's there. So, the integration first approach that tells me that that is tells me why you were perhaps an acquisition target. Um, yeah,
1: maybe. Um, it's, it's always been very important to us. Um, for me, and somebody told me this many years ago the definition of a legacy system is one that works. Um, there's a, there's a reason that the companies still have all of this technology in the building, um, for sure sometimes it's it's time for change and it's time to upgrade and um, and move on, but generally where we can, we want to be as le- as least disruptive as possible. So if there are systems that the client's already using they've got long term contracts, we want to be able to augment that use use that data that they've already got and surface it up in conjunction with other things so the the The, the big challenge there of course, is data silos and that's that's I think where the industry has struggled that there have been many many technology systems that don't talk to each other, but that's a role that we absolutely see ourselves playing is that connectivity layer, the integration hub effectively to to pull those things together.
0: You know, again, I love that you're saying that you set out to be as least disruptive as possible. And the irony there, of course, is that you're absolutely being disruptive because there you are um, in response to COVID going in and solving problems that your existing clients are telling you about. And that's the holy grail of innovation. If you can build a relationship of trust that actually, as opposed to you trying to identify problems or conceive of innovations and solutions, you're listening to your clients, you're listening to your customers, you're listening to the problems that their building occupants have, um, and then fulfilling the need, which actually is very disruptive, even though that's not what you're trying to do.
1: Absolutely, we're we're disrupting the industry. We're trying not to disrupt the general day-to-day business operations of our customers, for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I think that that's do you know what that, that's refreshing and to me um, probably one of the one of the factors in your success and again what made the company a very clear um, merger and acquisitions target there. So um, that's fantastic to see. But tell me a little bit about you know over the last we touched on it there, but over the last two years there's obviously been this huge culture shift. Now the culture shift wasn't voluntary you know, normally when we talk about culture shifts, it's that, you know, there's been this period of influencing people and showing how things can be better. Whereas COVID rushed us all into this and we all just had to get on board. And you had people of all ages having to connect online for all things, right down to uh, playing bingo uh, and seeing their, their kids um, uh, for special occasions and work. So what is, I, I suppose we're dealing with COVID, but yet, It's feeling now that actually ESG and particularly the environmental and sustainability conversation is taking hold. Is there a clear correlation between human behavior and the use of technology as we we talk uh, and make our way towards net zero? 2050 is not that long away.
1: No, there's not. There's not much time. And that's uh, again, I think is why it's important that the technology has to has a place to play in this whole debate. very importantly as well it's not the single answer i always you know talk to a lot of customers and they think oh what what can you put in to make everything better so well we can we can help but the culture shift is the the most important thing actually in bringing people on board and stakeholders i think when we think about the esg conversation in the context of real estate it's not just about talking to fm and the real estate execs and leaders you need to bring the employees on board the people who are actually experiencing the buildings You need hr involved therefore because it's a people issue you need finance clearly it so i think the stakeholder management is really important in this whole piece um there's definitely a link between technology and the culture side of of people and, and how they perceive esg on a number of fronts i mean for for us for example we think it's very important that everybody in whatever company you work for understands the company's philosophy and and sustainability goals most corporates these days have got a sustainability report you can pull off the websites. But to really make it mean something to people, I mean, it's important that you bring them on the journey. So, you know, again, surfacing the data so people can see well, how, how is this building weighted? What, what's my impact on this? You know, do I, again, it comes back to this whole, you know, the office as a destination. Do I come into the office five days a week? and possibly not be very good for sustainability. You know, if I have to drive 50 miles there and back, is it a good use of my time and the company's resources? Whereas actually, if you could use technology to say, well, I'm going to come in Tuesday because I can see that my three closest colleagues are in that day, we need to actually do some deep work. It's not just Zoom calls, Teams calls, et cetera. That can have an impact. And again, demonstrating that and showing people ESG reporting, I think has has a, a really important role to play.
0: Um, there, there's so many different factors here. So, yes, the environmental conversation is an important one to have. But actually, when we're talking about people who've been uh, reasonably productive at home for the last two years or two and a half years coming back to the office, how do we ensure um, worker well being like does it does this come down to technology um, to really not just building community? I mean, you talked about the tenant experience. And the tenant experience can, can span a couple of different things. But what can technology do to really enhance worker well-being? Because they're the kind of things that are, are, will get people back to the office if that's the place they need to be some of the time.
1: Yes, definitely. So um, you touched on that yourself earlier on. So safety has been critical. Certainly in the first few months after lockdown in the UK, you know, that return to work, I, I think everyone was a little reticent. Um, I think technology for us had a big part to play in, again, showing people that this is safe So showing them you know, the environmental conditions in this building are suitable for work. Um, temperature and humidity, two, two of the key environmental factors, for example, in terms of airborne um, transmittal of, um, of viruses. So if you can if you can actually show we are doing the right thing in this building, the HVAC is at the right levels, the temperature and the humidity is good. That immediately starts to show people that you care and that you're actually conveying the message. The same with cleaning regimes, you know, being able to I think we're, I think we're beyond the, po- the point of having clipboards on the wall where someone signs the name. Probably they probably do it once a week and sign them all down. So having that kind of that audit control of stuff through technology to be able to say this is the evidence that we've done what we said we should do and it is safe for you. Um, so the, that's, that's
0: the yeah. one side. <laughs> no, but the evidence is so important because I remember, so, and I can't remember who it was, but somebody uh, told me in an interview in the last year or two that prior to COVID, facilities managers always tried to keep the cleaning behind the scenes. You know, so yes. you didn't run. Whereas now, every all the cleaners are in high-vis vests. You want them very high, uh, highly visible in the environment. And that's something that's changed. And that's not a tech thing. That's something that's changed to absolutely. reassure people, so it's they there might be cleaning routines that were happening that have been obviously ramped up and and um, in the context of COVID, but a huge part of making people feel safe was making sure that that was much more visible than it has ever been before.
1: Yes, absolutely, and and, and again, it's shone it's shone a light on cleaning that hadn't been there. It was of all the FM services, it tends to rate kind of low down. It's it's a tick in the box. Yeah, we have to do it. We know that's changed i think it's become a very very much higher priority and again using technology to be more efficient with that so they can offer the services at a, at a better more competitive rate and better services as well so uh, yeah i think that's very important but the other the other side of getting people back to the office i think is also interesting yes people want to feel safe i don't think that's enough now <laughs> to say that i'm going to come in we need to we need to be trying to cr- create this kind of curated experience where people do see the office as a destination that they want to go to. Um, And I think we're kind of going through a strange curve. I think in the first few months after lockdown, everyone was desperate to get out of the house. It's like, brilliant, I can go to the office again. I can see people. And then that sort of slowly started to tail off, I think with people like, oh, actually I did quite like being able to work at home. Getting that balance right is very difficult, but very important. I know a lot of companies are wrestling with this still today. Um, but again, I think technology has does have a place to play there. You know, if we can if we can make that office experience the best it can be. We make sure that if you're going to go to the office, you get the most out of it. P- people are un- unless they're forced, which I know some companies are doing, but people are generally not not going to be interested in going to the office to sit at a desk for eight hours a day doing emails and Teams calls. You can quite easily do that at home. So I think the collaboration aspect and using technology to help drive that so that people go in when they know their colleagues are gonna be there, that they can be productive and that they've got the right kind of services. So yeah, things like catering, knowing that you've got a, a car parking space booked, knowing that your desk is, is booked and has been cleaned. And you can see that info. These are all the kind of the little things, the nudge factors that I think will help drive people back to the office, maybe not five days a week, but two or three days a week.
0: Um- Tim, increasingly, I like your approach. We're talking about driving factors, and you talk about nudge factors. But you're right; it's the nudge factors that will make the difference. You're absolutely right. um Listen, thank you so much. I'm conscious of time. Before we before we wrap up, um, what are you and your team working on? Uh, what should we expect from Spike of Technologies over the next year?
1: So, a ton of stuff. Uh, <laughs> too much to go into huge detail, but I think the couple of focus areas for us. So, as I said, you know part of the Nordomatic acquisition my team has expanded now the portfolio of products has expanded we're doing a lot of work product development wise to uh, integrate everything so taking you know some of the great stuff we're doing in the energy side for example and being able to expose that data out through our workplace technology stack um, we're doing a lot of work on the app side not just for the employee experience but also now for the operators in the building so the FM teams whether they're their cleaners supervisors etc. Again, exposing the data so that they can actually perform their jobs um, uh, in a much, much better way. Um, And a big focus for us on everything to do with BMS. You know, Nordomatic is a a leading brand in the um, BMS integration side. It it, um, won't surprise you to hear that we're doing a lot now on that software side to automate as much as we can around BMS controls um, and gain those efficiencies that we can help not just from an energy cost reduction perspective but also process efficiencies and again for us everything really leads to trying to provide the right service for the occupants because ultimately if if no one's in those buildings it doesn't matter how much energy you save they are they are waste they are they shouldn't be there so it's it's about driving the right use for the right people
0: excellent well said tim thank you so much i've learned so much from you here today Um, i love your approach i think it's refreshing and i hope other innovators maybe take a leaf out of that book and certainly integration first approach i like that um best of luck and well done on what's been achieved so far that was tim Strether, managing director spike at technologies and that's it from us this week you can get in touch with the show on social media at iproperty radio or email hello at ipropertyradio.com my thanks to producer breed malloy and the hear me roar production team and to luke delaney on sound for dublin south fm until next time thank you for listening